do me a favour. If you are listening, please hit the subscribe button, like, share, rate, review the podcast. It really means more than you realise. I believe every business owner has a story to tell. Through seeking true, authentic insights about the entrepreneurial journey, I provide a platform for our peers to share their stories and inspire those that listen. This is the County Business Talks podcast, powered by Picture Book Films. Okay, here we are. Here he goes. Live for the second episode of the 24-hour podcast. How was the first? Mate, awesome. Good. chat with uh, Matt Hunter, who's yeah. obviously the co-founder of Plus X. Yeah. Is, this is my new happy place. I was here for the first time a couple of weeks ago. I was talking to the guys from Creston Reeves, and I was beyond impressed with it in here. I heard one thing about the stairs being designed so that the chances are you'll always walk past someone. There's yeah, someone yeah. to say hello to, stuff like that. Amazing. Yeah, great. It's all about community. We, we just talked about that over the last hour, all about community and building that. And I think for me, like I say, I, I fell in love with this place. When I'll spend more time in here than I'll do at home, to be honest. Like, <laughs> sometimes that's a blessing, mate, isn't it? Yeah, Let's be honest. Sometimes, <laughs> it sometimes it is. Sometimes it is. Well, listen, good for you for what you're doing. I absolutely salute you, mate. Thank you, mate. Listen, I'll great for your support with jumping in and delighted me, me, me second guest the legend is jack the lead i don't know about that mate. i don't know about that it's good to be here it is that's why the cans have gone on i can't come in the studio and not put cans on um but it does feel weird sitting this side of the desk with someone else asking me questions and stuff like that so i was thinking about as i was driving in and i was thinking wow it's going to be really really interesting because usually it's me that sat there with the prep sheets interviewing others so this is like a novelty for me so i'm enjoying i'm going to enjoy it Hope so. So, uh, so let's 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 jump straight in. Tell listeners a little bit about your story and career. So yeah, Jack the lad. Um, I wasn't born in Sussex. I was born and raised in South London. Um, I'm a council house boy. Very proud of my roots. My parents moved down here when I was 16. I stayed in London for another year till I was 17. Then I came down, and I, I didn't really know what I was going to do. Sam, to be honest with you, my first ever job was at the King Alfred Leisure Centre, the mighty. King Alfred Leisure Centre and I sort of jotted about for a few years I got into the pub game and clubs I used to run some of the big clubs and pubs in Brighton spent a bit of time in Tunbridge Wells and then a call came from a guy that I knew that had DJed for me good friend of mine called Mike Pantelli who was working at do you remember Southern FM as it was and he said they wanted a breakfast street boy a character that goes on the breakfast show goes out in the mornings and and gets up to mischief and interviews people and he said I know a guy and I got the call and that was in 2004. So that's when my radio career started and it's what we now, 2022, I'm still on air. Um, I can't quite believe it really. It's extraordinary the fact that it's lasted this long. I mean, I, it still overwhelms me a little bit to be quite honest. Yeah, I bet. So, so what did you, like, when you was at school and stuff, what did you think about doing? What was your passions or? I didn't, I didn't really know. My, my passion when I was at school was football and I was a good footballer. But that was never going to happen. I think the percentages of, of that happening for so many young lads who dream of it are very, very small because it's a very, very um, popular thing for people to try and do. But I, I don't really know is the answer. I, was ne- I, w- I didn't have a good time at school. I was bullied at school a lot, um, an awful lot at school. And because my family were very poor, I didn't have nice things at school that other kids had and stuff like that. So I struggled and I struggled academically. Um, so when I came out of school, I knew I wanted to, to hopefully do something involved with sport. So I did a year at college doing a, a sport and leisure management course, which was great. But then, yeah, it started off in the leisure centres. And then I sort of just fell into the pub game, I think, because I got a bit of chat and that, you know. Um, and so I sort of fell into that. But radio was never, ever, ever anything I'd ever considered until I got a call from a mate who said he knew some people that needed someone. So I absolutely fell into it when i was 29 years old wow wow and so like so nearly two decades mm. in the air yeah like, to, to tell me some of the highlights to, to tell me the highlights there's been there's, there's obviously there's been highlights i mean i did two after i started at southern fm as it was i started in march and in july they put me in a ford ka and said to me we want you to drive to portugal where the European football championship is just about to start. And I had to drive from the radio station to the hotel I'd booked. And whoever could guess the exact mileage that it took me to get from the radio station to the hotel in that car would win that car. And I did that within three months of starting on the radio. So that was a bit of a trip. Um, And I did that a couple of times. I did it also to Germany for the World Cup. I enjoyed doing that sort of thing. My highlight, the thing I'm most proud of 
is the fact that I stayed on that station on breakfast for 15 years. Um, because that meant I'd, I'd been away from Sussex, I'd come back and then all of a sudden I was working, if you will, in the public eye. And what that meant was that the people of Sussex really took me in to their hearts. And that's the thing I'm most proud of because 15 years on a breakfast show, this time, that doesn't happen. That's, that's super, super rare. Um, and I'm proud of that because if an audience want you gone, you're gone. I mean, they're, they're the ones, if they're not listening, go down, you're gone. So I'm proud of that. And I just love meeting people, normal people, far more than famous people. Most famous people I've met are really quite boring, but I'm a firm believer that everybody you meet has got a story to tell. Everybody's got a story to tell you. And I used to love getting callers on the show and stuff like that. But if you ask me for a highlight, it, it would be the fact that I must have connected with the audience somehow, which as radio has changed, is becoming more and more rare. It's now or more, we've got to get some famous people to host the show and that because they're on the TV and stuff. And I don't think radio is as relatable as it used to be. Yeah. So I feel very fortunate that I was a presenter before all of that happened. Love that. And listen to you talk about it. Like basically, with the podcast, the, the tagline that's just come out of it over the last, I've nearly done 50 episodes now, is my tagline is everyone has a story to they do i really but i'm the same as you i believe that like and i again i just feel honored and privileged like to have this space to be able to speak to but and i i've mentioned it in a previous one that you know i've had people who've come on here who've sold businesses for 100 million mm -hmm. and then i've had people who've come on who are just starting mm. on their journey and their, that excitement and not knowing what's happening and everyone in between that as well at different stages mm -hmm. but at every stage, someone's got, they, people have got a story to tell. Well, they have. I had an idea once, and I'll never do it, so I don't mind telling you, because someone can nick it and do it, because I'll never get out of doing it. And it was called Tales from the Lobby, and I had this idea that you go to a hotel for two weeks, anywhere in the world, sit in the lobby, and you just have a banner or something that says, if you've got a story, come and tell me it in 15 minutes. And I figured you'll get so many guests from all over the world that would come and sit down and say, well, this happened to me once. And you could write a whole book on just short stories about people you've met for the first time and call it Tales from the Lobby. Someone's going to do that and make millions and millions of pounds now. You watch. Mate, I, I, I'll tell you what, I'm in. I'm in. Yeah, we'll, we'll do, do this together. together. Let's do it together. Yeah. We've got to, first, we've got to do is copyright the title and that. You know what I mean? Get locked down so nobody can nick it. And if anything, if it doesn't work, we get a two-week holiday together. So it's a win-win, you know what I mean? You could put up with me for two weeks, Sam. Mate, I'm in. I'm Good in. man. Top so, man. So. Top man. Oh, mate, listen, I, 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 I do love that. I think for me, like I say, just having the opportunity to sit in this space and be mm. able to get that because it's, it's and people often I, I love the fact you said about celebrities and and you know people ordinary people whatever whoever you label it but I'm I'm the same any time I get interviewed or people ask me a question I hope it inspires you and what mm -hmm. for me it's the people around us mm. I, I, I feel so similar to I come down from Essex didn't mm -hmm. know anyone I've been here what nearly, 14 years now in, in Sussex, but the Brighton community, Sussex in general, but Brighton especially, people here, just if you're a good person, yeah. you can get on with people, and they'll mm -hmm. help you. And, that, and, it, and it's so that a mutual friend of ours, Gary Peters, mm -hmm. who's a bit of a mentor to me, really, and has been, you know, done some great stuff with what he's done. And I think, you know, people like that who just take you under their wing and, and, and they, they're, what they're doing inspires you. And I think that's, that's amazing. And we're, we're surrounded by those people in Sussex, I think. Yeah, we are. And you're right, Gary's a mutual friend. And he's an extraordinary man, Gary, because the things that I'm doing that we're going to talk about in a minute yeah. um, come from him. And yeah, there's a lot of love in Brighton and there's a lot of love in Sussex. And I think if you're the right kind of person, people are going to have time for you. And, and the older that I've got, the more I certainly embrace that um treat people how you want to be treated kind of mindset do you know what i mean and um it's i certainly believe now at 48 years old i know it's hard to believe but it's true mm -hmm. that i've earned the right to choose the people that i want in my life and the people that i choose to have have in my life and then and you talk about the people we meet and that for me to come here today to be able to sit opposite you who's doing this extraordinary thing for an extraordinary cause that's very personal to you is is, is a thrill for me and i don't blow smoke up anyone's weenie i don't it's an extraordinary thing for you to do so for, for you to just ask me to come and be part of it is lovely you know what i mean and we've had to jiggle a few things about today, but there was no way on god's green earth i was going to miss this no way you, you, when we spoke on the phone a couple of times, the one thing you said to me, Sam, I won't leave down. No. And, 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 and here you are, true to your word, and we're having this conversation, and I'm, I'm, I'm buzzing about it, mate. I'm not going to lie. I'm go it's great to have you on it. And I, I, want, I really want to, I want to 
talking because I, I mean, we sort of spoke a little bit offline and I've known for a little bit for a little bit of time, but I always talk on the podcast about challenges mm-hmm. um, that we face throughout our lives, careers, whatever that looks like, and how people respond to them. So I just want to, I want to, I want to talk to me about a period 2019 through to the sort of pandemic. Mm-hmm. So you've finished 15 years career mm-hmm. on the radio, lost a good friend, mum mm-hmm. passed away. Had to witness your dad suffer a heart attack just mm-hmm. a week after that. During the pandemic, your wife contracted pneumonia. She's got pneumonia, yeah. In the middle of lockdown, your son was taking an ambulance to, to Worthing, collapsing one morning. Mm-hmm. Mate, I, as challenges go, I mean, just try, talk to me a little bit about about your mindset around that period, like that, that year, that period of time in your life. Like, talk to me a bit about that. Yeah, it, 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 so, and you're probably right to say about a year because everything that you just said then happened. So I finished in heart at heart at the end of May 2019, um, which was fine because I'd I was at the point there where I had wanted to change, but I'd gotten used to doing that job worked for me and Sally Ann, my wife, because Sally Ann owns a dance school in Hassock, so all of her work is post school. Whereas, so she would take care of the boys in the morning, get them to school. I would do my bit. Excuse, oh, let me smash the mic then. I would do my bit and then I'd get home and I had them after school. So it worked. And when something is, how could I ever, I thought, how could I ever go and get a job? I'd say, yeah, I'd love to, but I need to finish it at two. You know what I mean? It just doesn't happen really. Um, so it was from about May till about the end of, of 2020. And it it was, without a shadow of a doubt, the the toughest part of my life, the toughest period of my life. And it certainly isn't lost on me that it was actually the toughest part of many people's lives because of what we went through in the pandemic and and people were losing loved ones and they couldn't go to the funerals and people couldn't marry the people that they loved and yeah it it all really kicked off in january i lost my mum at the end of january who i was very close to um she had had cancer a couple of years before she'd beaten it and then it came back um and i was with her with my dad when the doctor said to her, there's nothing we can do this time, which looking back is an extraordinary thing to sit and witness one of the people that you love the most in the world being told that in fact you are going to pass away. And they, they said to her that they hoped she would have a roundabout. They said the prognosis of time is hard, but they said we hope maybe four, five, six months and she died 10 days later. Um, and that, that was bad. I took comfort, bad, it was all worse, but I took comfort, Sam, from the fact that my mum had been in pain for a long time. And growing up in London where we grew up, my mum was a strong, proper woman, you know what I mean? And and she'd really sort of crumbled for a while. And I didn't like seeing her like that, as no no some would. So I I tried to take comfort from the fact that at least she's not hurting anymore. Um, But at the same time, to see my dad, who is my hero, and who is the toughest and i don't mean physically i'm hard just the toughest man i've ever known just to be broken was as upsetting as anything i've ever seen and the grief for him was just too much he'd had trouble with his heart and then it was a couple of weeks later he had a heart attack and he was in the the hospital for a while and he got out of hospital just in time to fly back to my mum and dad's home in spain before we were locked down and the flights were cancelled which was actually a blessing because my mum and dad's whole life was there. Yeah, their kids were here, but their friends and their lifestyle was in Spain. I was glad that he got back, but then it meant I didn't see him for 18 months when he actually needed me the most because we we're really close. Um, so you had two things and you asked about my mindset and I was definitely a little bit, you know, you get, I was like, Jesus Christ, can we give us a break? Yeah. And then lockdown came, which was awful for everybody. And then, yeah, Sally Ann, the love of my life, had pneumonia. And she was told in no uncertain terms, even though we're locked down, don't go near anyone or anything. Because if you get COVID on top of that, yeah. it's curtains. And Sal's a really gregarious woman. She very she likes to be up and about. She's um, a social butterfly. And she she couldn't do anything for about six weeks. You couldn't do anything for more than five minutes without needing to lay down. And that was tough because I was still doing a breakfast show. I had the two boys I was homeschooling. We just got a dog. And it, and, and again, then you're like, Jesus Christ, I can't, what is going on? I can't have much more of this. Um, and then Ruben collapsed one night and then that's my eldest collapsed one night at home and that's hard to think about because and i know that you have have had to deal with a child that's been poorly mm. but he God, get quite emotional about it. it's fine he hadn't been well and then he woke up in the middle of the night and sally ann was screaming for me and 
he was falling over on the landing and I picked him up and his eyes had gone back of his head and then his bowels opened everywhere. And I was like, you've got to call an ambulance, you've got to call an ambulance. And um, Sal had to go with him, I had to stay with Eddie, our youngest. And that was probably the longest two hours of my life I heard of from her again. Um, and again, it was another one where you're thinking, Jesus, give me a break. And I'm not a guy that likes to feel sorry for myself. I sulk, I'm a man, we all sulk. But I was like, give me a break, give me a break. Um, and it, it turned out he had an infection. And I think someone told me, the nurse told me that when you, your normal infection level should stay at about 13, you've got an infection marker, I think the word is, and these are like 104. So he was ill. And my mindset at that time was, give me a break. But you have to keep moving. And I had to keep moving for my wife and for my children. If all of that had happened to me before I had a wife and a child, so if I'd, my mum had passed, I'd got sick, uh, my dad had had a heart, I probably would have gone to the bottom of a bottle for a little while, like we all did when we were younger, or like some of us did when we were younger. But you can't do that when you have people that rely on you. Um, and my wife and my children... I'm very blessed to say are the most, I'm the most important person in my life. I think we should all accept that we are the most, but they're it. Sally Ann was a it. Um, so you have to keep going for them. It was hard getting up and going on the radio and trying to be how, funny every morning. How, how was Sally Ann at that point? Like, what, like, was he wife, like, what? She. With your son and stuff like, like you said, was it you that she thought, I've got, I've just got to step up as a, father as a husband yeah well i'm not sally ann and i we're a wonderful team because we bring different things to the table and some i'm I, i'm i'm a certain parent so i'm the one that i'm more of a disciplinarian if you will a sal thinks that any problem could be solved with love which 99 percent of the time it can but then you know what i mean when ruben's nicking biscuits out of tin and not telling you then i think he deserves a rocket you know what i mean um but she was still Sal, I think, got pneumonia in the start of September, middle of September, and she, she was ill for like two months with it, about two months. So I didn't let her worry about any of that at that time. It was like, no, you've got to get better, bub. You know what I mean? This is fine with doing it. But it, it was a hard time for her as well because she was very close to my mum, She was, and she still is very close to my dad. They're great friends, Sal and my dad. Um, but, yeah, I guess the older you get, the more responsibilities you have, the more people in your life you know you really care about and really love, then I think it almost gets easier to just keep moving forward because you know you can't afford to not to. Do you know what I mean? And I'm not the most resilient guy. I have it. We all have it. And like I said, sometimes I sulk, but I'm aware now the older I've got and I'm far from perfect that there's a time to sulk and then there's a time to step up and keep going. So when I lost my mum, I needed to focus on my dad. And then when my dad got better, we got locked down. Then Sal got ill, I need to focus on Sal. And you can't always focus on yourself because you've got people that love and depend on you, you know what I mean? Yeah, but yeah, yeah, as a period of my life, absolutely shocking. Shocking. Like, like you said, then to go in, because from a mental health point of view, I guess then to go in to, to do this to, as a radio show, did it, did it help you in a way because you've got to be a certain character you um, put that mask on and, and you go in and be a certain way or how did you feel like going into work that day and getting through it so the radio station the radio show because now i work for a, a station called more which are based in Burst Hill, and it's it's a lovely station it's a proper local radio station there's not many of them left anymore yeah. and they're a really lovely bunch of people and a lovely team and so i guess what you're asking me is was getting out of the house and being able to go in there for that four or five hours and escape and it was because the thing with Jack the Lad is, he's actually just a pantomime character. Mm -hmm. I, I, he's just an over-exaggerated version of, of who I am, really. Yeah. Sally Ann will often say, why does everyone else get Jack the Lad and I get you? <laughs> when, I'm having a, when I'm having a bad day, you know what I mean? When I'm being miserable. Um, so it was an escapism. And I was very fortunate to be able to do that because obviously in lockdown, there were millions of millions of people that didn't get to leave their homes at all so i had that escape and it helped but yeah there were certainly times sam mate when you're getting up and it's still pitch black outside and you're thinking well i've got to go in and make people laugh now but it's hard because i'm worried about my dad i've just lost my mum we're in a pandemic sally ann is at home i'm well but again i have to go because you've got to put food on the table you know what i'm saying um so yeah it was an escape that i'm grateful for and I'm grateful for everything that radio has given me, really. Mm. 
um, because I bumbled along not really living a life until that call from my friend Mike came in in 2004 and then I an opportunity arose I thought well I'll take this so I was grateful for the radio at that point that escapism but I'm grateful for it overall for what what it's given me because I think that like one key thing for me there as well like with the opportunity side of it is it's being open-minded to those opportunities mm -hmm. those in it so as a talk to entrepreneurs business owners various different people that, that, that come in but I think for me life's an opportunity so yeah. there's always going to be things but there's certain people who will bumble through life and and as you saying you were prior to that mm. but will, that they won't see that, that opportunity come around they go oh no it's not really for me not done that or whatever and they would not take that opportunity i think it's not it shows a lot about a person's character when they go you know what it's an opportunity oh, i'm going to jump out of that i've not done it mm. let's give it a go and see mm. look at you made a 20-year career out mm. of it, and that's uh that's inspiring to hear like for for me and i'm sure people listening as well like that's uh to just grab life like that and, and yeah well it was it came at a weird time that call because i was living in tunbridge wells and me and uh three mates had a couple of pubs up there and i'd been there for about two and a half years in tunbridge wells and before that period i'd had a bit of a rocky time i hadn't been well with my mental health and stuff and before that i'd been in the clubs and pubs in brighton now when you are working in that environment you tend to live a certain lifestyle when your your listeners will be able to put that together i'm sure so my lifestyle was very hedonistic from my mid early to mid 20s to, to when i left that industry and when i got that call from mike saying southern fm are looking for this i saw it as an opportunity a, a opportunity a to get back down to sussex which i was missing and b to get out of an industry that is really hard work and i'm not fighting hard work but it's really hard work for not a lot of reward and i'm not driven by money either but it's not a lot of reward and b there are things to distract you for you to misbehave with everywhere yeah, yeah, sure. and i've been living that lifestyle for a while so i thought no i'm gonna have a go at that i believe your life goes in chapters and i thought at 29 this could be a new chapter but it was very much up to me coming in as a complete rookie when I, I did these demos and they liked them thankfully it gave me the job and my current job which i know we're going to talk about in a minute one of the things that i talk to to school students about which we're going to get onto i think is i had a decision to make at 29 and the decision was this is an opportunity that you can either use to just earn some money to carry on living the lifestyle you've been living or you can listen you can work hard you can dedicate yourself to something and you might turn it into something special so and that's what i did so i would say the first time i've ever felt really proud of a decision that i made and an effort that i made probably was when i was 29 probably when i was 29 because before that my life was dedicated to just having a good time and if i hadn't taken that opportunity i wouldn't i met sally ann who worked at southern fm two weeks after i started that job really yeah so what would my life look like now if i said no i'm going to carry on staying up here and partying two three days on a trot you know what i mean where would i be now yeah. so i'm proud i took the decision and i'm proud of myself for doing that i'm a humble guy i don't often say i'm proud of myself but it was a massive massive turning point in my life huge it's amazing because we, we get to that we get to those and, and throughout our lives don't we like you said i, I love that like our lives come in chapters because i believe that as well and we but we often we come to these crossroads in our lives mm. and it's making those decisions on what way we go and what way we don't mm. and, you know like you say what well, you look back now and as a proud decision and what a great decision mm. what, what, what you've achieved well, because the easy thing to do sam would have been to stay cool. in some words i had a home there not yeah. i didn't own a home but i lived above one of the pubs yeah. but i had a home i had access to all these things that i enjoyed even though i was getting tired of them i had friends there um it was about me upping coming back down to Brighton where I'd live on my own when I first started on the radio I, I mean I still don't earn great money but I'm not driven by it but my point is when I first started at 7FM I wasn't on good money at all so the flat I lived in wasn't nice I was on my own I was getting up at four in the morning which I'd never done so I was trying to adjust to a whole new lifestyle the easy thing to do would have been to stay but you can't always take the easy option because if you do what are you going to find out about yourself nothing 
and it's a bat, and it's a bat, and they, they've done. Like I said, I, I really want to touch on that coming up next. It leads us in nicely about the love local jobs fan, yeah, there to dream and stuff like that, and inspiring that obviously that next generation. But it is about that, isn't it? It's about like. Uh, you know, taking opportunities in life, looking at those things mm. and believing in yourself. Okay? Because if you keep doing the same thing, there's that famous saying, you do the same thing, you'll get the same results you've always got. Yeah. And, that's, and that's the path you do. But to, if you, you're, you're questioning, if there, anyone listening, and I guess talking to the students, people that go, you know, this is not why in my life right now. No. I need to, you know, you're the one in control to try and change that and take those opportunities to go, I need to change something to make it take a different path. Mm. And you could, the thing is, people can, you can live your life by a million cliches. And I don't mind a cliche. There's some amazing cliches out there. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? But you, you live and die by the choices that you make. Um, and if you, you sometimes need to make a choice that you're not comfortable with because you're looking at what that choice and that decision is going to look like a couple of years down the line. Do you know what I mean? And, uh, you know, if you stay in one place long enough, you become that place, you know, and I didn't want to stay and live the life that I was, that I was living. Um, so it did take a bit of bottle, I guess. Um, but at the same time, that opportunity, when I look back at it now, it wouldn't have arisen unless I was a certain kind of person where people thought, well, we can have a punt on this lad. He, he looks like he might get it right. So, yeah, but there are lots of people that work for a long, long time in radio, in hospital radio and on really small stations, some of which do brilliant work, by the way, to just try and get the opportunity to be on a breakfast show the size of the one that I was plucked from and put on. Because at the time, that was a monster of a breakfast show in our part of the world. Um, so I'm very grateful for that. It would have, it would have been an insult for me, and I didn't think this at the time, but looking back, it would have been an insult to those people if I'd have just gone in there and not taken it serious. You know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm. I do. I do. Well, look, let, let's let's talk a little bit about so about the Dare to Dream program. Um, what inspired you to you to get involved in that? I guess like, I know obviously, like I said, we've got mutual friend with Gary and, and stuff. But what inspired you to get involved in that? And what sort of you obviously just your story alone, I guess, is inspiration to those people. But what what type other things do you talk to the, the so? When I left Heart, I had a couple of bits lined up, so I wasn't going to be, we weren't going to be destitute, you know what I mean? But I didn't have, I didn't have, that was where people were saying, all right, oh, people know Jack, like, we can use his, his profile or whatnot to help us out and stuff. And I did that and it was great, kept some money coming in. But I knew I hadn't got anything that I thought could become a long-term thing. Gary, as you know, Gary Peters is uh, the founder of, of lovelocaljobs.com and ICP Search, um, which is its kind of sister company. And I phoned him up because he had a job board. Not I mean, yeah. I was going to say, Gary, do you know any decent jobs flying about? Because I wasn't, I would have taken, I would have gone on the bins. Yeah. No, but I would have done anything. And it's just another twist of fate. We talk about twists of fate coming in. And he said to me, come in. And he talked to me about the foundation. And he said, I want to get this out to as many kids as I can across Sussex. He's passionate about the next generation in people in Sussex, as you know. Yeah. He knew that I could present and talk to people because that's what I've been doing. And he also knew that I'd had a challenging upbringing. And he kind of said to me, if we can put all of that together, I think you can go out and inspire young students to change the way they see themselves, change the way they see their futures, change the way they see their place in the world and get them to understand that if they can apply themselves in this way and in that way, there are things out there for them. Because one of the things that I'm a big believer in when I look back at my youth and I say this to the students is where you come from doesn't have to have a damn thing to do with where you can go. It doesn't. And some people can use it as an excuse. Yeah. Um, and so we do that, but the, 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 that's what I do now with them. And I love my job. I'm, I'm one of the, and I say to the students as well, I want for you what I have got because I get, I, I don't spring out of bed. I'm a 48 year old man. You know what I mean? I, I, I creak when I get up, but I never get up thinking, oh no, not again, ever. And I say to these students, you can have that if you decide to implement this, 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 and to not listen to the people that are telling you that you can't have that. Screw them, get rid of them. Um, we encourage them to go and find a job and a career that they love, but we also talk to them, Sam, about the fact that it's gonna be far easier for you to get on if you are the right kind of human being. Because one of my go-to lines when I talk to them, it's predominantly year nines, so 13, 14, is people employ people. You can have, the greatest CV, you can turn up for an interview in a perfectly um, immaculate outfit, 
and you can smash your interview and that's great. You can have a degree. That's great. But what are you going to do if an interviewer says to you, everything so far is perfect, but we've been through your social media and we can see that you've been racially abusing Marcus Rashford on your Instagram. I said, because if they find that out, you're gone because people employ people. So we get them to understand that being kind, being decent, being loyal, being humble, and really wanting to dedicate yourself to something, in my eyes, means just as much as any degree. I really do believe that because I would give you a job. And it's a hard time for students these days because the year group I predominantly talked to, 13, 14, they got locked down when they were 11. Now, when I was 11, I knew what I was doing. Riding my bike, playing football, trying to get a Frenchie. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's what I... That was, <laughs> what we all, mate? <laughs> that was my life. And these guys and, 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 and girls have missed out on that. Um, and it's a hard age anyway because you're turning into an adult, your body's changing, your hormones are everywhere. And I didn't have to go for what I went through as a young boy with social media and with a pandemic. So when people say, we shouldn't have to worry about the kids, all they did was learn from home for a little while. No, 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 no. Um, and I really... made impact on Oh, huge. And we, I see it in every school I talk to. And because also they're, a lot of them now are behind. Because when you, and I know, and I'm sure you did homeschooling, I ain't no teacher. I'm, I'm trying to talk to Ruben about fractions. And I don't, I said to him, Ruben, I've never in my adult life added up eight fourteenths, two sixteenths. I, I can't help you, dude. You know what I mean? And so the, a lot of the work they were doing, some they didn't really understand. And they are playing catch up. Um, but the problem they have is that social media is encouraging too many young people to look at a lifestyle that they think is easily attainable when it ne not necessarily is you have to be perfect you have to look like this you have to have this car you have to and i say to these young students that stuff really doesn't matter man you know what i mean and if you if you've got people in your life that are trying to twist and turn and manipulate you into someone you're not so that they decide you're worthy screw them man how can anybody tell a 13, 14 year old, you're not, you're not worth it. You've you got nothing to offer. It, I get really passionate about it because it's true and it's real. And I was there when I was young. Do you know what I mean? And it's also a way, one of the things I love about the job that we do at Dare to Dream at the foundation is for me, I definitely feel when I can go in and talk to these students, it's almost like I'm giving something back to this county and to these people that gave me so much. Because I wouldn't be anything without this county and, and these people. So it's, it's a joy. I, I, I truly love my job. And, and to make a difference like that is wonderful. So, mate, one, to obviously hear you talk so passionately about it. But it's something that I, I, that I love the fact that, one, there is there is that program now to encourage. Because I, 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 similar to yourself, I wasn't great at school, to be honest. I done mm. okay. But I went to school in Dagenham, in mm. the worst school in the borough. And, you, you know, I've done okay. But that's similar. I did, if I weren't going to be a professional fool, I didn't know what I was going to do. And it wasn't that. It wasn't people like yourself coming in and inspiring mm. me to go, you can go and achieve anything. And you, I had a great, I've got a great mum and dad and they're mm. amazing. And they, they, they helped me and made me believe that I could go and achieve anything. But, you know, it was very... You, entrepreneurship weren't even a thing mm -hmm. back then. Let, like, yeah. I couldn't spell it, I still can't now, but you and <laughs> me both. You, you, you look at it and you go, that wasn't <clears> easy <throat> coming now. And there's people like yourself and the programs itself like this cool. that go in and actually really and I guess listening to your story as well and especially like you alluded to earlier about being bullied at school and I guess some of these kids maybe go mm -hmm. the fact that maybe they can then relate to you if you're able mm. to share that with them. And that must help in a massive way for, for, for them seeing someone like that. Well, I hope so. I, got, I mean, it's, I have to point out that I'm just one cog in an incredible team. People, yeah. there's, there's four of us, myself, amazing Christina, lovely, brilliant Lisa, and fantastic Paula, you know. Yeah, yeah, and, and we're really lucky because the four of us love what we do together. I'm just a guy that, I'm the show off that gets to go out and stand up in front of the, the students. But yeah, it's about getting them to understand all sorts of things, but just, God, if you're right and if you're kind and if you're decent, the world needs that and companies are looking for that because say, if you don't know how to treat other people, do you think you're going to work your whole life on your own? Because even if you're a sole trader who does carpentry, you're going to have suppliers, you're going to have customers, you're going to have people that you need to treat the right way. If you can't do that, you ain't going to get on. Um, and don't get me wrong, I wasn't always like this. I was a bit of a tearaway, you know, but, what I love about the job as well, Sam, is it makes me check my brain. I probably treat people better now than I did before I started doing that job. Because if I don't, then it just makes me a hypocrite. 
and I don't like being that person. You know what I mean? But I think one thing as well that I, I take from that right? again, why I think he's so brilliant is because there's that. Look, we don't teach this in school, like, but you're right. People buy from people, mm-hmm. and you go out like, like I said, I didn't do great school, but I like to think because of my mum and dad, I was brought up to be a decent person. Uh-huh. I'd be a good person, and, and that's what I was taught. They were the fundamental things, grades and stuff. Okay, they're they're blah, blah, blah. but when you go into that interview, like, what's got me through my life and whatever, I, you know whatever level of success or whatever that looks like with business and whatever you're doing, ultimately it's all been about building relationships. Mm-hmm. But we don't teach and that's not measured in school. No, it? it's not. And mm-hmm. don't get me wrong, schools have a hard, hard job. Oh, cool. my, my, my respect levels for teachers have, have, have gone through the roof since the pandemic and homeschooling yeah, and then yeah. doing what I do. But you're right, it's, there's not, excuse me. There's no problem with the education system, not, not with the schools or the teachers, they're great, but they're, 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 they're fundamentally the education system as a whole, the way we measure or the, like with tests and exams and stuff and, and what they're still what they're taught mm-hmm. is that the, the what, what's your take on that like do you still think there's maybe that needs to change i think i think it does to a certain extent because and to put this into context i have two boys eddie who's nearly nine and ruben who's 12 and every time sally ann or i or both of us go to a parents evening the thing we want to know from the teachers of them two more than anything is are they kind decent loving lads because and i say that to ruben all the time because he's 12 so he's going through it a little bit now and i'll say to him ruben as long as you tell me every day you've done your best that's all i want man i say if you mug me off and tell me you haven't you and i find out you haven't then i'm gonna have the ump i say but even more than that be kind don't forget who you are be decent because that's what i want you to be that's what i want you to be i would rather my boys went and sat down next to a lad or a lady young lady that was getting bullied put their arm on her shoulder or his shoulder and said are you okay is there anything i do that means more to me as a parent than an a grade and i think schools have a hard job i think stuff like what we do at dare to dream could be done more because if you're a student who is struggling academically in some areas and in some schools when you're hitting 13 14 you might think well the dream is already over because i'm not as smart as that person and i'm not going to get that grade and stuff and that is a shame if you tell someone at that age you're no good enough times they'll start to believe you because they're labeled and that's that's where i get i guess for, for me our stroke because we're up, me and me and Kelly exactly the same with Luke and Sienna, exactly the same. We've got they're only seven, so mm-hmm. you go into parents, it's obviously a little bit less than it is when they get a bit older, but still, ultimately, they're still tested. They still had sets last year, mm-hmm. they're seven. And we and Luke, we got rung by the school and saying, Oh, Luke, like Sienna's really academic, she's like Kelly, Luke is a bit more like me. Mm-hmm. Um, so but like, oh, Luke is a little bit behind, and I'm like, He's seven years old, mm-hmm. like, he, he can be, he, he, he doesn't engage as much as. Sienna does maybe with the education. So, but he, his level of his emotional intelligence is like unbelievable for a seven-year-old. And I, but again, he's labelled from a young age already that he's a little bit behind. And he, do you, do you know what I mean? Well, what they should be saying to what I think people should be saying to Luca is, and obviously with the job I do, I do an awful lot of research on on this, that, and the other, and emotional intelligence. Yeah. Research will show you that emotional intelligence is is responsible for 80% of what we achieve. 80%. I mean, that is huge. It's absolutely huge. I don't want Ruben and Eddie to not do well at school. I I, I want them to do well at school because I want their journey into into work to be easier than the one I had. But it's not as important to me as them being decent. Um, I think with regards to exams and stuff, it's tricky and one of the things that i say to the students in the school sam is if these grades don't go your way that doesn't define who you are because no one's got the right to tell a 16 or 17 year old student you have failed and you are a failure because that's like telling a 16 or 17 year old this is the best version of yourself that you are ever going to be which is not i'm 48 and i'm still trying to learn and develop every day am i perfect christ alive no ask my wife but i'm trying and I think to, I think I can't bear the word failure. If you can embrace that word and think, right, so here it is, failure. I've, what what did I do wrong? Why is it worked out? How can I change it next time? Then it can be a beautiful thing. But not enough young people understand that. They just think, right, I screwed it up. I'll move on now. I've screwed it up. It's 100%. Look, I, I've done a 
a lot of talk recently about 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 failure because the first business bought, bought me to buy and I took a hair, over a hair sale on that failed, lost money, had to sell my house, didn't work out, and that was a failure in a sense. But it's not what I learned from that was amazing that, that mm-hmm. experience, I guess. And 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 someone I've got a guy come on once on here called Steve Salis, um, really great guy, and he, he one of his things was there is no failures, only feedback. Mm-hmm. I love that, and I mm-hmm. think that's that you're exactly right. That message needs to be. To kids it does it's okay to to try things and it not work out learn from that yeah. and then you try something else but what i would imagine sam that you also learned from that that hair salon that didn't work out for you and and this is one of the messages again that i really try and jump into the kids is what you probably would have learned from that is yeah that's gone belly up these are the people that have picked me up and said sam don't worry about it we're going to go again we'll go again we got your back if you had changed who you were to impress another bunch of people they're the ones that the people that say to you it's not going to work enough when it doesn't work they're the ones that say i told you i'm not going to bother supporting you again whereas the ones that that, that really believe in, in you and love you and see the beauty and the and the potential and the ability for who you are when it does go wrong because life is hard and it will kick you in the nuts a lot when it does go wrong they're the same ones that say it went wrong i still believe in you come on we go again and so it learned i think when you do fail at certain things it teaches you the value of people and the value of the people that you've got in your life. When I left Heart as Jack the Lad, you know what I mean? Radio presenter, oh, Jack, he's funny, that mate. There were people in my life who disappeared like a fart in the wind because I wasn't on the radio again. And there are people that stayed and they're people like Gary. And they're the people that matter to me now. And at 48, I've got a right to choose. And <clears throat> I think every time you do fail at something, you learn not about just about yourself but about the people that matter because they're the ones that pick you up and say, no, we're going again. Whether you want to or not, we're going again. So if young people can embrace that early enough and understand that the people that matter are the people that see them for who they are now, what they represent now, what they stand for now, and the beauty that they've got inside of them now, if they can see that early enough, their journey is going to be so much easier because they're always going to have that support network, not these ones that thought, that say, you know what, so good school. Well, look, you want to be in our gang or our clique or whatever, you've got to go nick a Mars bar or something. You know what I mean? Like, no, no. Be true, man. Be true to who you are. I love it. I think that for me, that overriding message is, is exactly that. Because I've done a mental health awareness episode on here. We talked about it, and the guy I was interviewing, he said there was a, there was a book, Five Regrets of the Dying. And the, the, the main regret of the dying was from a palliative nurse. One, the main regret of the dying is I didn't live a life true to myself. Mm. And that's got and that message, no matter what that comes across and what you guys are doing with Dare to Dream and that those type of messages mm. is such, is so powerful. I think. It doesn't, for me, Sam, it's, it comes down to, again, choices and that. And the choices of, the, I don't need 10 fingers to count the people in my life who I trust 100%. They're also the people whose opinion of me matters to me more than anyone. They're the ones that will support me. People like Gary, who will say, yeah, you can do that. Easy, I'll, I'll, I'll back you up, I've got you. If I'm being a melt, they'll also tell me you're being a melt. Don't act like that. And if they, if that certain group of people say that to me, then I'll listen. You know, because nobody's perfect. Perfection doesn't exist. It's just a race you have in each day against yourself. Try and be ahead and you're doing a good job. Um, but yeah, I kind of, I think that's really powerful that I didn't live a life true to myself. Um, I don't want to be laying, thinking about that when I'm taking my last breath. You know what I mean? Absolutely, mate. Absolutely. Look, coming to, before we go into sort of our quick fire questions, yes. just wanna, um, you mentioned in a recent post um, that you're starting the second part of your life. Yeah, it feels like that. What does the future hold for Jack the Lead? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, I try to not think about tomorrow too much. Um, although Sally, I would disagree with that because if you ask her, I say to her, I'll do it tomorrow a lot. Um, but in the, in the grand scheme of things, I try not to think about tomorrow too much because I've, I've got today to focus on first. Um, the things that are most important to me are to be a good husband and a good dad. Um, that is my, my, my biggest ambition bar none and i don't always get it right but i don't think any of us do that's that's my biggest goal is to be happy and to be a good father and a good dad when it comes to work i think what we're doing at dare to dream now is just the start 
I, th I think because of everything that young people have been through the last years with the pandemic and everything, I think there's so much demand for the work that we're doing. And, I, and I'm really excited to see where we as a team can take this, this, this program because I'm, I'm so passionate about it. And we all are. Um, I want to be working for this foundation and for this program until the day I, I retire and don't work no more, whenever that'll be. Excuse me. I just did an inside burp. You might've got it on the mic. Um, and as far as, I just want to be happy, man. I mean, I, that's, that's, that's all I want. I, I don't care about fancy things. I'm not driven by money. I like going on holiday and I believe that for everything that money can buy you, there's a dozen things more that it can't. I saw a thing. Money can buy you the best doctors in the world, but it can't buy your health. Money can buy you the best holidays in the world, but it can't buy you the sun. You know what I mean, money can buy you the best bed in the world, but it can't buy you sleep. So money's great and that, but it's not my ultimate goal to be wealthy or to be rich. My ultimate goal is to be happy. I, I just, I want to be happy because I've had some dark points in my life. I've been very, very low before now. I do struggle with my mental health at times. My anxiety levels can go through the roof. So if I can manage that and get away from anything that antagonizes that anxiety, then my journey to being happy will be easier. Um, and that's all I really want. And you say to me, well, what is happiness check? I haven't got a clue because what it is for me is different than what it is for you, what it is to, to, to your wife and what it is to everybody that will be listening. It's a different thing. Um, what helps me be happy is, is liking who I am, which I haven't always done. I like who I am and I like what I stand for. Again, I'm not perfect, but I've got a good idea of who I want to be. And that will, that makes me happy. Again, it's been it's been such a fascinating conversation, mate. You've been so open and honest, which is amazing. And I think there's so many inspirational bits that come out of it. But one for me, like a person's success measured is still that narrative out there that someone's success is measured by their financial. <sighs> and I'm so much trying to on this podcast all the time, trying to because I used to say to people all the time, "What would the success look like to you?" Whereas more important is what is actually what is happiness to you as an individual. And like you said, it is different for everyone, but that people's success is not measured by their financial no. game, but measured by yeah. their happiness and whatnot. Because from whatever level of financial wealth people, I've never got to that stage where, yeah. you know, so it's, it's not about that for me, but as similar to yourself, like I've struggled a little bit with mental health in the past and I, I changed that narrative a little bit around what success looked like because I was driven by money. Uh -huh. you know, I wanted to be that. Yeah. I've been with Kelly 25 years and for 25 years, I've been saying this time next year, I'm going to be a million you know? mm -hmm. and never got there. And that's what struggled. What was my struggle? And then all of a sudden you change that narrative that it's not about money. The, mm. who you are as a person and that, and that happiness and where that lies and that's got to be surely the most important thing there's a great quote by jim carrey i mean jim carrey ace ventura himself you know what i mean he does commencement speeches graduation speeches in the states so he's done a couple at least i know and he says to one a huge auditorium full of people he says to them the greatest currency that you will ever own is the effect that you have on other people and I was absolutely spot on because I was bullied so badly at school 35 years ago that I can still, if I close my eyes, I still see those, can still see what those boys look like. And I still know all of their names. That is the power that they had. And they abused it by treating me and others the wrong way. So I say to these students, forget the wealth, forget the power, forget the Porsches, the Ferraris, the swimming pools, the houses, the holidays, the most valuable currency you'll ever own is the way the way that you treat other people i think that's absolutely spot on that means more to me than any car or any any holiday mate what a great way to sort of wrap up we're going to finish always as i've done with every episode with our quick fire questions so, oh we need to the light in the mood in there it got a bit heavy there for a minute you know what i mean <laughs> i'm so grateful for like i said just being so so honest with me it's a pleasure man it's a pleasure like i say that inspiration for me sitting here listening to it but certainly people listening as well is and what you do with dare to dream go out and inspiring that next generation. Oh, i'm so fortunate to do it I, I i just adore my job i'm so lucky so lucky well what you got for me quick fire right. one piece of advice would you give to your 18 year old self oh jesus christ how long have you got man <laughs> how long have you got <laughs> embrace gratitude be grateful who has been your biggest inspiration throughout your life and why? My dad. Because my dad 
is not an academic man at all. He's dyslexic. Um, he didn't do well at school, but he taught me early on to have a work ethic. If you want something, you've got to go and get it. And when he came into our lives, because he's not my biological father, when he came into our lives after my biological father had, had gone, we were living in a council house, two up, two down. My mum didn't have any money. I had one bath a week. We used to eat span, crisps and beans for dinner. We'd have sausage and mash on a Sunday if we were lucky so we could have some meat and veg. We had nothing, nothing. And he fell in love with my mum, regardless of the fact she already had four kids. And he gave us a beautiful life, a beautiful life. Excuse me. He's my hero. Absolutely. That's amazing. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. That's brilliant. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Could you recommend? <laughs> just wrapped up there. You've done me, mate. You've done me. Could you recommend a book or podcast for our listeners that has had an impact on you? If you haven't read Green Lights by Matthew McConaughey, what a book. What a man. He's one of my heroes as well. Unbelievable. The actor Matthew McConaughey, incredible thinker incredible thinker he had a book called green lights which is his autobiography get that but get it as the audio book because he's got that amazing texas drawl and, and it's just remarkable that's the best book that or storyteller by david grohl what i'll probably say green lights from matthew mcconaughey if you get that on audio book you will fall in love with it that's the best book i've read for a long time and i'm a true crime fan so if you like true crime there's a podcast called case file which is really really good finally What's your one rule for living a fulfilled life? Choose the people that you let into it carefully. Be choosy. You have the right to choose the people that you have in your life. And I think that is a great help. I, honestly, that's been one of the brilliant conversations I've had. I've, I really I've, enjoyed I've, it, man. I absolutely loved it. And you, you, you are a true inspiration and it's, it's fascinating to chat to you and mate i could have sat here for 24 yeah, hours chatting yeah, to yeah to bless you man so, um, and listen i so don't much. think i mean i'm an inspiration look what you're doing here look what you're doing in here talking to amazing people you stand up for 24 hours and you're doing it for an amazing cause you know what i mean pat yourself on the back dude because this ain't easy what you're doing in here you know what i mean especially come two o'clock in the morning when you're gonna you <laughs> want to have a little kip yeah, yeah that's gonna it might be a struggle. We'll get there. We'll you get will. Listen. And I'm humbled that you had me in it. I'm really humbled and I'm really grateful. Really grateful. As they say, as always, that is a wrap. Thank you, my friend. You're welcome, bud.